Uh, Christmas, the Christian-centered holiday that, even if you aren't Christian, might feel pressured to celebrate anyway with how in-your-face the modern Western world, uh, or at the very least, commercialized America, advertises and sells Christmas as basically a day of peace and presence. But how did it start? How did Nicholas of Mira go from saint to jolly red commercial icon? Why do we decorate Christmas trees? Today, we're going to take a quick look at Christmas. Welcome to the first episode of InfoBlast. I'm Nick Job. I'm Rob Branch. Uh, a quick relevant background on me. Uh, I've been an educator for over a decade. I was a university and elementary reading and writing tutor. I taught English at the high school level for a few years. I taught English as a second language in public elementary for a year in South Korea, and I've been an elementary school teacher librarian for seven years. Uh, History is a recent passion. Uh, My dad was a history buff. I grew up talking with him about random history stuff, but school-wise, I never had an actual, like, good history teacher until college. Um, One of my good friends is actually, uh, she has a master's degree in history. So, you know, we have plenty of discussions there. Um, Though my actual deep dives into the US and world history have been like way more recent. Um, I spent the past seven years as a grad student, including a PhD track that ultimately didn't work out, but I still got four years into it. Um, Along with my English teaching and tutoring background, This all really helped me uh, hone my research skills, which I've used quite a bit lately to learn actual history of various topics. Uh, This podcast is a way to share what I've learned and what a better way to show that than to actually share it with someone who might be learning it for the first time, which gives us you, Rob. That's correct. My name's Rob and I failed history. (laughs) I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Uh, Uh, I'm... 20 year college 20 year college student i've been going to school part-time getting multiple degrees um i currently am unemployed uh my recent degrees are in the it industry software development database management i'm going to school for it i watch entirely way too much porn um and uh yeah i failed history so ladies my voice yes (laughs) (laughs) So, so Nick, Jay, before, Rob, Nick, Nick, before we start this, yeah, uh-huh. I, I have some questions. Um, yes. you know, I want to get the audience anticipated, just wild them up here. Um, do I need to Google things or are you going to bullshit me? Is this like, am I getting punked here? What's, what's the deal? No, no, 100%. This is uh, completely uh, regularly researched. It is real information um, from multiple sources. Okay. Um, and uh no none of it is made up uh to to the degree that i'm aware anyway uh unless the you know research sources are punking me um, well the other reason why i ask is because you know the the individuals that we we podcast with i know they they like making me suffer because i'm the new guy so you know <laughs> yeah no i don't do that kind of stuff i don't like punking and pranking people especially uh with facts and stuff because you know that stuff's important and we currently live in a world where not enough people know enough things especially about history that's fair so um 
today, Rob, we're going to be talking everything Christmas. Uh, now, full disclosure, my grandpa was Santa Claus. That son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, okay, so he was originally a music professor. He had a specialty in opera. Um, he was Ooh. well over six feet tall and at least three, four hundred pounds with a fluffy white beard. Uh, he was also. Irish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not done. I just like how you described him. He was well over six feet tall and he 300, 400 pounds, fluffy beard. Yep. Go on. Go on. Uh, he was also highly Catholic, uh, volunteered a lot singing at church uh, while my grandma sang and played piano. Uh, interestingly he was also huge into like fantasy all things tolkien middle earth elves etc uh wow. he, he loved tolkien um eventually got a position as a mall santa many years ago uh, which exploded around south and central texas he was super popular uh he was also a carpenter and had a workshop where he made real wood toys and whatnot he made a Christmas album called A Visit from Santa, where he narrates as Santa and sings. So needless to say, Christmas and I guess Catholicism runs in my family. Your grandpa sounds awesome. Uh, he was pretty cool. Uh, sadly, he did pass away about 10 years ago, almost, maybe more, maybe 11 or 12, something like that. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he was a cool guy. He uh, really went into the Santa stuff, had the full costume, looked just like Santa. You know, it, it was pretty cool. So I, I do have a background there. Um, and even though Catholicism does run in my history, um, I am not overtly religious anymore, um, but I do find it interesting. So we're going to be talking a lot about religious stuff today, uh, mainly because it's connected to what we're talking about. Uh, speaking of, let's start off with that baseline. At the very least, Christmas is known as the birthday of Jesus Christ, making it a huge holiday and celebration in the Christian religion. But because the U.S. is run by Christianity and businesses, it has also become a very commercialized holiday of presents and gift giving. Uh, we decorate Christmas trees and lights and wreaths and holiday villages and nativity scenes and a whole slew of other decorations. We put cookies out for Santa Claus who is a jolly old guy in a red and white suit who comes down your chimney and makes it around the world in one night delivering gifts to the good boys and girls and coal to the bad ones. And we listen to Christmas music and make cookies and on and on and on and on. You know, different countries have different celebrations, but typically for an American Christmas, that's more or less what you get. Starting at the beginning, Christmas is the day Jesus was born. And as of this year, that would have been 2021 years ago. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. Which is already starting off on the wrong foot, because that's not true. <laughs> uh, first and okay. foremost, we have, yeah, we have the issue of calendars. Biblically, Jesus was born during the rule of Herod, who, you know, tried to kill him. Uh, forcing Mary and Joseph to hide out until Herod died, uh, which historically was 4 BC, though, you know, BC technically stands for before Christ. And Jesus was born somewhere between 6 and 4 BC. That already throws things off on the BC AD side of things. 
so yeah year zero year one we'll get there um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sorry nick continue oh, i just no, like that year zero year one we'll get there <laughs> um jesus's birth wasn't actually set or celebrated for hundreds of years after he would have died his death was more celebrated it, that was the big important holiday easter uh which we're gonna talk more about easter later in a later episode once we get closer to easter but that was like the big holiday in fact most early christians even some now technically uh thought celebrating birthdays had pagan origins and were heavily against it uh especially the birthdays of saints and martyrs who uh they felt should be celebrated on their death days instead of their birthdays so christmas wouldn't have even been a thing for a, a long time after jesus was uh you know born uh it wasn't until a dude named tertullian came around at roughly 200 a.d he used regular and some biblical math um tertullian calculated that jesus would have been crucified on march 25th of what was then the current roman calendar which predates the julian and gregorian calendars the gregorian being what we use now March 25th is also an important religious day for many Christian beliefs, such as Adam and Eve uh, screwing up or the day Lucifer went to hell, among others, because um, they know that happened exactly on March 25th. Um, wow. However, these early theologians also had a belief that prophets died on the same day that they were conceived. So if Jesus died on March 25th, then the day God came down and impregnated Mary, a.k.a. the Feast of the Annunciation, had to be the same day. Now, add exactly nine months to that, and Jesus was born on December 25th. And that was only in the Western world. Eastern Orthodox Christians actually mathed it out to April 6th and considered Jesus' birth to be January 6th instead. Eventually, Western Christians readapted January 6th uh, into the day the three Magi showed up to give Jesus gifts, and the days between December 25th and January 6th, that's the famous 12 Days of Christmas, um, and the song is completely religiously unrelated. I don't think there were eight maids of milking at Jesus's birthday. <clears throat> Many Eastern Christians, as well as certain Western Hispanic cultures, actually still celebrate Christmas on January 6th. So that's not like an old school thing. It's still kind of relevant in certain parts of the world anyway. Uh, however, things get a little tricky here. Based on biblical context clues, such as there being, you know, shepherds, they wouldn't have been out in December or even, you know, after October the birth of Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, and the timing of the pregnancies between uh, his mom, Elizabeth, and Mary, like it all points to Jesus having been born around September. Most scholars and church leaders actually agree that December is almost certainly not Jesus's birthday. So the question is, why leave it there if it's inaccurate? That's uh, an interesting question. Yeah, and it depends on who you ask. There's a few theories on why it was kept December 25th, the most prevalent being that Rome wanted to use pagan holidays and celebrations, such as the winter solstice. Um, Emperor Aurelian is said to have made December 25th the winter solstice, 
a new pagan alternative holiday called Birth of the Unconquered Sun in an attempt to convert more pagans to Christianity. There's also the Roman holiday of Saturnalia. At the same time, a festival honoring their god Saturn that might have easily influenced the date as well. Like most holidays, Saturnalia started because of farmers giving gifts and sacrifices for good crops. This eventually grew into a massive winter celebration similar to what we have today. For example, the Saturnalia festival caused all schools and businesses to shut down so they could party. Places were decorated with greenery and wreaths. Candles were used to symbolize light uh, returning after the solstice. There could be gift giving, and it was just generally seen as a fun, happy, and peaceful time. Many aspects of Saturnalia, the public celebration, inhibitions, gift giving, orgies, would actually continue for many centuries, even as it more or less merged with Christmas. Yes, I said. So, so, so what happened to the orgies? Um, I'm getting there. <laughs> you, 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 Nick, I, don't, I don't know if you're doing this on purpose but your timing is just perfect <laughs> your timing is impeccable with these things man bravo to you okay let's go come on teach me <laughs> all right all of that being said there's technically no written proof that these pagan christmas origins uh though why would they be deceitful and uh you know, write their religious lies down. I, I don't know why they would be looking for proof of that. Um, there wasn't much of note about the pagan mixing until around the 12th century, many, many centuries after Christians actually began celebrating Christmas uh, more widely, which was around the 9th century. So Jesus's birth is not in December. It's also not 2021 years ago. It may or may not, though most likely may, have some pagan roots, and atheists and everyone just wants to war on Christmas. Uh, but do you know who hated the most, who most hated the jolly fun of Christmas celebrations and thought it should all stop, thus creating the very first war on Christmas? Krampus. Is <laughs> Christians. Christians? Wow. Okay. Uh, more specifically... Oh. Those darn Puritans, uh, the Puritans thought it was all, uh, you know, all the frivolity was pretty much a disgrace to God. So the Church of England fractured around the 16th and 17th centuries. Uh, so like 15 and 1600s. As Puritans felt Christianity should strictly follow the Bible, including uh. not celebrating holidays like Christmas. Uh, they it was a church going only thing like they weren't going to uh you know give gifts or be happy or smile or anything it was just go to church and be somber be miserable um, christmas was actually banned in england and that carried over with the pilgrims and other puritan colonies of early america who actually outlawed Christmas celebrations, including singing and decorating, and actually made it a crime in, again, early America. But yeah, Christmas did God. actually used to be illegal in both England and America for a period of time. Though in England, it was reinstated around the 1660s, though it would take actually a couple hundred years to get that mindset fully turned around in America. What a bunch of frozen dicks. Yeah. America, fuck yeah!
So what really helped first and foremost was that it started all with the tree. This is what our forefathers did. They walked out into the woods, they picked out that special tree and they cut it down with their bare hand. The evergreen tree actually has a long history in pagan and Christian celebrations, including the Romans with the, you know, aforementioned Saturnalia, the Egyptians, the Celts, the Vikings, and more used uh, evergreens to symbolize various beliefs. But here's how it came to be used for Christmas specifically. So legend has it that it all started in the 1500s with Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., different guy. Right. Uh, he's not a time traveler. Um, Martin Luther is a German man who started the European Protestant Reformation. <clears throat> the Protestant Reformation is the thing where people split from the Catholic Church because they hated Catholics and made their own denominations all covered as Protestantism, eventually fracturing the Church of England and forcing Puritans to expand and settle in America. He also founded Lutheranism. Uh, he was walking home one night through a pine forest and saw the stars shining and twinkling behind one particular evergreen tree, um, lighting it up. So he took a tree home and lit it with candles to show his family and have them uh, celebrate its beauty and symbolism and all that stuff. Hmm. After this point, getting an evergreen tree and lighting it with candles around Christmas became very popular in Germany. Then in 1800, uh, King George III had a German wife, Queen Charlotte, <clears throat> who brought the tradition of having a Christmas tree into the British royalty. Having a decorated Christmas tree with candles and snacks and gifts became popular among the rich and aristocratic in England. Around 50 years later, the highly popular Queen Victoria and her German Prince Albert uh, also brought the tree into the house where it was uh, illustrated for various magazines over the next few years. So Queen Victoria was super popular. And that idea of the Christmas tree actually began to spread to the common folk in England and America. Of course, you know, America had a few cracks in its shell from German immigrants and all that bringing their traditions over for like many, many decades before that. But Queen Victoria's uh, illustrations in front of their royal tree, that was kind of the final breaking point in spreading the concept of the Christmas tree westward. Uh, by 1870, it was a national holiday in the U.S. Ten years later, Thomas Edison invented light bulbs, and soon after came the idea of electric Christmas lights rather than the more dangerous uh, fire on a plant. I'm just kind uh, of wondering how those work. I've never seen actual candles on a christmas tree right yeah it, it would be interesting to see but i'm sure you couldn't leave them lit for very long that you'd have to water down the tree you know to kind of make sure it didn't... right spray it down a bit. fire yeah spritz it 20 years <laughs> after that uh president william mckinley was asked to not have a tree because it was a german tradition and uh you know people have always been racist um and his successor, Teddy Roosevelt, actively chose not to have a tree during his administration because it went against his environmental act. Now, okay. uh, yeah, that's about all I have on the tree. So we can't talk about Christmas without getting into the big guy, literally, Santa Claus. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? 
I know him. I know him. Now, it all comes back to a guy named Nicholas, who was born near present-day Turkey. Uh, short version, he became a monk and did lots of good things, such as stopping this one dad from selling his daughters into prostitution by gifting the family with a dowry so the girls could marry. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, this guy became such a popular saint over the centuries that he remained popular even after the Pro- Protestant Reformation which also was a thing that stopped making saints a thing because they were trying to break away from Catholicism. So they're basically saying, we don't approve of saints, but we really like St. Nicholas. So in particular, uh, the country of Holland loved them some St. Nick, uh, which is funny because before the Puritans came to America and banned Christmas, they made a pit stop in Holland and realized they didn't like it. And went back to England and then to <laughs> Wow, okay. So, uh, in fact, the Dutch called him Sint, S-I-N-T, Sint, Nicholas, N-I-K-O, N-I-K-O-L-A-A-S, Sint Nicholas, uh, which they would later shorten to Sinterklaas. In Sinterklaas. order to move... Yeah, so S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S, Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, okay, that's, yeah. that, that, I'm digging it. Yeah, in order to move away from the saint aspect, though, a lot of Protestants began calling Sinterklaas Christ Kindle, which literally translates to Christ Child. Uh, Christ Kindle was Jesus. later butchered into English as Chris Kringle. Under... Dutch tradition, however, Sinterklaas actually lives in Spain and comes down via steamboat to Holland and or the Netherlands, whatever you want to call it, uh, around mid-November and travels around the country on a horse that goes around on people's rooftops. He has a red robe, a staff, a Pope-like hat, a beard, and a book that tells them all about the boys and girls and if they've been good and bad that year. Kids leave a shoe out by their fireplace or furnace and... uh, in comes the most controversial part of this legend, uh, Zwarte Piet, or Black Piet. Now, Zwarte Piet comes down the chimney and either leaves a gift or a sweet in the shoe or beats children with a broom or sometimes even throws them in a bag and carries them away to hell. Um, wow. Uh, this, this last part apparently harkens back to the Moors when they came around abducting people into slavery. Zwarte Piet is often portrayed as a silly, colorful, though unintelligent servant in blackface, representing the soot he gets covered in going up and down the chimneys. Wow. Okay. This is getting dark. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that's not all. In the uh, nearby Germany and Nordic regions, there were all sorts of creatures and beings celebrated even in pre-Christian eras. For example, there was the Yule Goat in a connection to Norse mythology. Other practices of the Yuletide region included a celebration where people would dress up in disguises and go to their neighbors' houses, and the neighbors would have to guess who they are. Sometimes they'll even sing songs in exchange for, like, sweets or drinks. Uh, In Finland, there's a celebration where men dressed as goat-like evil spirits and would go from house to house demanding food and drink. Over time, this image uh, eventually softened into the more traditional Santa, 
though uh, even to this day, they call him Jalupuki, uh, which translates to Yule Goat. So even in Finland, the Yule Goat and Santa are basically the same myth. Likely a combination of Nordic and Germanic mythologies with the pagan Yule Goat and Svartapit, we get the ever-popular Krampus. The demonic-looking goat monster who beats, eats, or kidnaps bad children on December 5th, the day before St. Nicholas Day. My father. (laughs) Talk about getting dark. Krampus has been been, a legend in Europe for centuries and has more recently gained like on and off again popularity in America since like the early 1900s. And more again, like more recently with like Krampus movies and Mm -hmm. the internet. Now, obviously Christianity demonizes like literally anything that has horns. So the goat is not a positive association with the spread of Christianity and all forms from the Yule goat to Krampus were like lost in translation when, you know, trying to make it through the filter of Puritanism. Of course. I mean, come on. Um, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Now, the Dutch had a little colony in the New World known as New Amsterdam. Uh, this would later be taken over by the English and renamed New York. Uh, because of its Dutch roots, there was uh, much ado about Claus at Christmas time. But to squash out the non-English traditions, there was a complete denial of Claus or even St. Nicholas in America. Uh, granted, this is still the late 1700s at this point, and Puritan values were still rampant, so there probably wasn't a lot of pushback on that. And then comes Washington Irving. He was a Manhattan native, came along in 1809 and published A History of New York, which was a parody history that is notable because it describes Christmas for the very first time similar to how we celebrate it today. He wrote it under his pseudonym, Diedrich Knickerbocker, uh, who was a fake Dutch historian and also the inspiration for the name for the New York Knicks. Oh. Um, Yeah, they're the Knickerbockers, which were named after this guy. The New York Knickerbockers. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So after the publication of his more well-known stories, Rip Van Winkle and Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Uh, Irving would publish Old Christmas in 1820, an installment of short stories all about English Christmas traditions, Uh, most popular of which would be a description of St. Nicholas, which would repopularize the character into the mainstream, eventually evolving in today's more secular or non-religious Santa. Uh, To help that evolution was a friend of Irving named Clement Clark Moore, who wrote a little children's poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas, more commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, Hmm. uh, first published in 1823 and again in 1837. Now, Moore switched up a few things about Irving's mythology, such as having St. Nick visit on Christmas Eve rather than Christmas Day, thus removing the ultimate religious connection that had been barring so many Protestants from celebrating Christmas because it then pulled the focus more onto kids and family rather than the birth of Jesus, which the Protestants, you know, didn't want to have to celebrate. This poem included coming down the chimney with a sack of presents, filling stockings, having eight flying reindeer, pulling a sleigh, you know, all these reindeers with very familiar names. 
And it actually wasn't, side note, until 1939 when Rudolph was created in order to sell coloring books, um, which also inspired the character to have its own cartoon, song, and more, memorializing the red-nosed reindeer into Christmas mythology. So it was quite a bit later that Rudolph joined the fray. Wow, that's messed up. Yeah. that's. Cool. I, I'm just, I, I'm, so he you're saying... He was left out of all the reindeer games. He was left out of history. He was like the bastard yeah. child. Well, he eventually went down in history. I see what you did there. I, <laughs> yeah. I see what you did, Nick. Uh-huh. Um, Old Christmas and a visit from St. Nicholas really pushed more modern style Christmas celebrations that became more accepted in America, even to the point Santa was included outside stores. But there was still one more addition needed to cement the holiday, Charles Dickens. Dickens was a British author and was inspired by Irving and Moore, and in 1843, he first published A Christmas Carol. Uh, Not only did that novella give us a popular Christmas story, it really gave us the Christmas story, as many descriptions of holiday cheer and how it's celebrated basically rubbed off on everyone. The illustrations, too, such as The Ghost of Christmas Present, is actually a representation of the British Father Christmas. Hmm. I remember that. Uh, So we have you know, basically the majority of why we celebrate Christmas uh, on three authors, which is kind of cool to think about because now you can't get anyone to read a book. That is true. Um, it's, it's very hard these days to get, you know, somebody to crack a book open and read. <laughs> um, five years later, after Christmas Carol came out in 1848, that's when Queen Victoria and Prince Albert introduced the Christmas tree to the world. And that was that. Uh, the name Santa Claus likely simply derived from butchering of Sinterklaas, uh, similar to the slow alteration of Kris Kringle. By 1863, a cartoonist named Thomas Nast drew Santa in an American flag because it was around the Civil War time. Uh, but otherwise, he had many of the modern looks for Santa. He is also responsible for Santa residing at the North Pole, which was information he had printed with his drawings. Uh, By 1889, Santa had a wife, though this would not be popularized until the 1950s and 60s. By the 1890s, the Salvation Army began having members dress up as Santa for charity donations. Around the same time, a store owner named James Edgar, though he preferred to be called Colonel Jim for some reason, created a special suit and became the father of the mall Santa, uh, exciting kids by showing up as Santa in his own store. Um, His story would also go on to inspire the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, Department store Santas became so popular at that point that they began spreading all over before becoming a staple. L. Frank Baum, the author of The Wizard of Oz, uh, also wrote The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus in 1902, further solidifying the Santa Claus name and the fact that the character is an immortal, child-friendly old man. Uh, artwork for magazines at the turn of the century would change and alter the suit to the you know red and white that we know now, and that was further solidified in the 1930s when the Coca-Cola company utilized the red and white clad Santa, which just so happened to be their own colors, to advertise their brand, and from that point on, Santa Claus was real. You sit on a throne of lies. Um, hey, capitalism. Yay. And... Uh, that's about all I have on Christmas. Rob, do you have any final thoughts? 
Jesus Christ. Um, where do I begin? <laughs> it's so that was just a lot of information to go over. Um, it's interesting. And it's also, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you start talking about, you know, religious factors, and then you end up with, you know, consumerism basically taking over and modern, well, modern humanity as it is right now kind of sees you know religion and consumerism kind of one and one you know kind of on the same path and or that's at least from my point of view but you know i digress from that but yeah overall like jesus christ man that was that was a lot of information that's literally you 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 did a very thorough research on this uh yeah so it's it was interesting to me too some things you know, I had always heard all the uh, pagan stuff, of course, but it's, right. uh, it was really interesting to find out how uh, that might not have even been accurate uh, because they had been celebrating Christmas for centuries before there was even word of that. Um, but I can't imagine that the Christian community or whoever, the Pope, I don't even know, would have written down, oh, we're going to make this, you know, coincide with the winter solstice so we can convert more pagans. Like who would, who would write that down? So like, I can't imagine that happening, but I can still imagine them doing that. Like well, in order to straight up see that people. happening. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the same basically culture uh, that eventually either converted or killed native Americans. So these people are you know, the early peoples were a little extreme. I, I um, would I would take the word a little out, but I agree <laughs> with you. What's interesting to me is that I got a friend that lives in, in Norway and she's, you know, time to time we've we've talked over, you know, Zoom and the internet and Facebook, and she's always told me about these, you know, eventful parties and you know neighboring towns and cities and all about you know krampus and i all all basically everything you spoke of mm-hmm. and it's i i knew of that i knew of a lot of that stuff and it was kind of interesting to to hear that again because it i mean i'm not calling her a liar or anything but it does solidify uh the theories there but what's interesting to me is i knew I knew a little bit about the German background, the, the, the Protestants, um, that's, you know, I'm not a religious individual. I, I, I don't go to church. Um, if anything, I'm, I'm considered, I'm Episcopalian, which is like the light beer of all religion, you know? Yeah. Um, we, you don't go to hell. You go to a very warm place and get a really bad tan. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, death isn't the final answer you get reincarnated and to something else um so yeah you know like the idea of the the religious background that's that's really intriguing to me Mm -hmm. yeah we're and you know we'll talk about things in the future it's always interesting to me that the people who try to ban things that are seen as heavily religious are usually religious people, not atheists or agnostics or, or any anybody else like that. Uh, from a lot of research I've done on a lot of different topics, a grand majority of the time, uh, it's 
things are being canceled for either usually for some kind of bigoted reason, whether it's race, right. religion, uh, nationality, you know, whatever. Catholics the, in particular get hated on a lot. Well, it's the whole um, it's my way or the highway scenario, you know. Yeah. You're going to worship a god, you're going to worship my god. If you don't like it, you can either leave or you can suffer, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, when our world starts or our country starts in uh puritanism and escalates to commercialism <laughs> and uh it's a very it's no wonder we're kind of where we are today yeah. uh, uh, when we start with that extreme mindset and then build from there a a degree of kind of selfishness and ego but then try to mix that with the opposite it's just a giant cluster so who knows but all i know is that I'm done researching Christmas and uh, I hope that all of you will join us again for what our about the next elves, episode. Nick? What about the elves? Oh, the elves. Yeah. What about them? Um, I didn't find a lot on where like the elves came from. I'm imagining, you know, there weren't elves in the, uh, Sinterklaas stories or any of that. That was like the Zvarta Pete, the Black Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Santa always has helpers. There's probably an evolution therein. There's probably a mythology somewhere. Elves have uh, a lot of connection to like Germanic mythology, uh, Nordic mythology. There's lots of elves and all of that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it came from somewhere in there, but that's just me kind of guessing. There wasn't a whole lot of research on on elves. the The whole North Pole thing didn't even come along till the late eighteen hundreds with those illustrations. Who so knows? where was where was Saint Nicholas? Where was where was Chris Kringle? You know, where was he chilling out? I mean, it, for people in Holland, he was chilling in Spain. Okay, yeah, he's just hanging out in Spain, just chilling. And, at the best yeah, place. like yeah. I was saying earlier, he comes down in a steamboat. I'm not sure what he did before steamboats. And he still does that to this day. He comes in a steamboat full, uh, like on a horse from Spain and will like get off the boat on the horse. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. Like they go and they watch Santa come in on the boat and then he like, you know, goes off and does his thing. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is that where the reindeer theory came in as well? Cause you know, it wasn't until what, like you said, modern times between like the eight right. after the 1800s where the reindeer came into play. Right. So the reindeer really came into play with the visit from St. Nicholas, but there were other kinds of myths along those lines, uh, like the, the Yule goats, uh, Nordic mythology or Norse mythology. I want to say Odin's sleigh or whatever was pulled by a bunch of flying goats. There was the horse uh, or flying horses. So yeah, I, I'm sure the reindeer was an evolution of that. That it, it would make sense because that's, you know, its origins and then pushing that out. Time changes, stories change. Yeah. And, you know, Washington Irving, who is the friend of Moore, who wrote the Twas the Night Before Christmas, he lived in... New York City 
which had just recently been New Amsterdam, which was a Dutch colony. There was a lot of Dutch history in that town. It it could have easily transferred over, like orally or traditionally, customs, whatever. The Dutch. The Dutch. It's interesting. It's a, it's a lot of information you've given me. Um, and for the viewers, you know, for the listeners, um, it's a lot to digest. Yeah. But it's fascinating. Um, just wait till we get to some of the heavier episodes. This was the light, fun one. Oh, God. Nick, why, why would you do that to people? <laughs> <laughs> so next episode, in a couple weeks, uh, we'll, we'll more or less have a follow-up to this episode. Uh, where we talk about New Year's. Are we going to talk about uh, New Year's baby? We can talk about a New Year's baby, yes. Yes. Uh, That's but not until creepy then, at all. No. Uh, <laughs> until then, this has been Info Blast. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. Oh, the moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and a tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. <laughs> As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the courses they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkle I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bow. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot A bundle of toys he had flung on his back And he looked like a peddler just opening his pack (laughs) His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry His cheeks were like roses, his nose (laughs) like a cherry His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke had encircled his head like a wreath. 
He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed. Ho, 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 like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk and laying a finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down on a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Hello, I'm Jason Soto. And I'm Lisa Leahy. And we're the hosts of the minicast Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at all the films Bloomhouse Productions have produced. You may not recognize the name, but Bloomhouse has produced a lot of your favorite horror films, including Paranormal Activity, Insidious, The Purge, and non-horror films like Griffin and Phoenix and The Fever. Yes, those two, but the horror ones also include Lords of Salem, Oculus, Ouija. Yeah, but there are also stupid ones like The Tooth Fairy and The Darwin Awards. <laughs> alright, alright, so Jason Bloom did some non-horror films, and we'll be covering those too, for better or for worse. Ooh. Oh, like the Gem and the Holograms live-action movie from a few years ago? He did that? Uh-huh. Ugh, yeah, I guess. Anyway, you can find episodes of Between the Scares at rabbitholepodcasts.com or anywhere else you find your podcasts. So come follow us, and we'll see you Between, Between the, scares. the Scares. Copyright 2021 Rabbit Hole Podcast. rabbitholepodcasts.com